You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Hi, I'm Joe Clifford, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Joe Clifford. He's the author of Say My Name. Joe, how are you? Good, Tony. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm just happy to see you. It's great to see you too. I can't wait to see you in person again. I, it's been a long time. Do people still do that? We don't do that anymore, do we? You, well, you do, I see you do it on the golf course. And I see you do it with, I see you, I see your scorecard. I don't understand what any of it means. But when you post your scorecard and you're always the big winner, I just go, how many well, people hate Joe at that country club? I, well, I don't post the scores when I lose. I mean, oh, okay. So the, really, oh, you don't give you know, us the, the whole the narrative. I lose. Yeah, I don't. I don't put up the 107 I shot last week, which is a real score. Uh, I, you know, I've gone from. For those of you who golf, I have shot a 78. So to shoot a 78 and then post a 107 is pretty uh, horribly uh, erratic. You know, I, I took golf lessons uh, a few months ago. Like I've yeah. never touched a golf club in my life. And I, and I was learning uh, using irons and pitching and stuff like that. And it's a, I kind of love it. I kind of love addiction. it. And it's, uh, I saw somebody say, you know, in terms of addictions, it's the uh, crack of sports and they're not wrong. It is a, it's an addiction, man. If you're, when you're up at six in the morning on a Saturday and it's raining and you're like, I got to go golf. Um, yeah, I know you have anxiety issues and I have anxiety issues. And what I found, I don't know how, how well how your anxiety issues are now, but what I've found, like even when I was on a plane, which is the last place I ever want to be uh, often, but I was on the plane and I was thinking about, oh, that was an, that was an interesting pitch. I got to figure out what kind of iron that was. Because it's oh, just, you and, no and, you start, and, you, and you start thinking about golf when you're in anxious situations. And I'm like, I got to join this club. Yeah. You try, try to play in a tournament. So I was in a tournament this past weekend called the director's cup. Won our flight, not bragging, wasn't particularly good flight to be in. It was one of the lower ones, but however, we shot 38 in all shots, me and my partner, John Stewart, which is really hard to do all shots. I, I mean, I shoot one, John has to shoot one. So it's very difficult to shoot, you know, two above par in that scenario. So we made this something called the horse race. And at that point you have the entire club. Everybody's out there. They're all drunk. They're all drinking. They're all cheering you on. Everybody's watching you. So you got, you know, it, it feels like there's hundreds. It's probably, you know, 50, 60 people there. You know, the club's only got a couple hundred people, uh, you know, or equity members, but, but still everyone's there. They're watching you tee off. And, and I was calm as could be. I was so cool and collected. This is a, Radical change from a couple of years ago when I made the horse race. That's what they call it. And I was shaking so bad uh, at the time. I, you know, I, I, I don't drink anymore. But at the time I was, uh, I was still trying not to drink. And I was like, somebody give me a white claw. I don't care. Like, I've got a <laughs> that's a, that's how crazy it was. So bad. I missed a putt about like, you know, maybe uh -huh. a foot in my hand because my hands were shaking so bad. And this time, you know, I, you know, I was calm, cool, collected, seasoned vets. I played uh, really well. We got knocked out again in the 17th, but it wasn't my fault. Not blaming John. John, if you're watching this or hearing this, it's not your fault. You missed the, the six-inch putt. It was a very tricky lie. John, why did you make Joe have a bad day? 
<laughs> he felt so bad afterwards i'm like dude i have been there i know that feeling i'm like look this was great this is a great day don't yeah. yeah no you the nerves get to you and, and you got people watching and you uh yeah you get a little you know it's it, for something with anxiety it's a strange sport to pick up a strange really hobby. well it's just it, it's not really conducive <laughs> to like having anxiety and golfing it, it's 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 like you know you know being a swimmer and you're afraid of water uh, it's, it's a weird, <laughs> well, well, I haven't, I haven't actually done a full course yet. I've just done little here and there's, and I just like hitting the balls, like just, just hitting the ball itself is therapeutic. And then you're just like, it is, it, no, there is there's a very, and they have a book, I think it's called, uh, oh God, what's the, I'm going to forget the name of it, but it, it's a Zen book, um, about golf and, and talking about it. And there really is the, unfortunately, because of our last president, <laughs> Uh, it does not have the greatest reputation right now. When you mention you golf, you automatically get lumped into this sort of like, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm so far left. If I didn't further left, you know, I'd be, I'd be I, like, I mean, I'd be a full on communist. Like I'm, I'm, I'm as left wing as you get, but because I golf and I belong to a country club, it's, but it's a Berkeley country club. I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's not, it's like country club light. It's uh, I can't believe it's not a country club. Well, and the other thing is, the other thing is, it's just like, oh, you're so bourgeois. It's just like, you know what? Well, I don't drink. How much do you spend on drinks in a year? It, I, I pay less for that for the club. Thank you. And the club isn't, it's really, it seriously is, it, I mean, it's going to sound terrible, but it, it's a very, as far as country clubs go, it's a very affordable club. And it's most importantly, it's two minutes down the road. I can walk to the fifth hole from my house. And I, and I joined it because it's a lot cheaper than getting divorced. Because if I kept golfing, and I had to spend eight hours a day golfing. My lovely wife Justine was not going to uh, put up with it. Like so, this was this was this was necessity to keep my family together because I couldn't quit golf. And I, was, I already was hooked on the thing. And uh, and yeah, you know, golf takes up a lot of time. So now I'm back in three hours, three and a half hours. And uh, and you know, you know, the kids can walk. You know, kids' school is across the street, so they can walk over and they love it. They love it. They, co they come over and they get to put stuff on my tab. You know, so I got all these tabs. For, you know, you know. Who 15 cokes and you know 12 sliders oh yeah <laughs> Boys came over yeah but they think it's the coolest thing in the world you know they, they come with their friends and yeah, no put on my dad's account <laughs> that is funny oh that's cute yeah, yeah I, I, have, I have picked them up on the fifth hole in a golf cart because it the fifth hole runs parallel to their well, i shouldn't say this stuff i'm not supposed to talk about my kids because because i had a, some weirdo stalker on the internet which you know, we get, you know, public, whatever figures, but um, making comments on my kid's name and not liking my book and how it reminded me of catch, you know, like, oh, like, no, no. I'm not supposed to talk about my kids and, and, yeah. and I'm not going to talk about my kids. And so I won't say where the school certainly is. And it's nowhere near my country. Club. <laughs> the club, the, the school is nowhere near there. And I do not belong to the that club. I belong to another club far away. Where it, yeah. And it's it, and it's interesting that there is a Berkeley in New Hampshire. Yeah, right, right, right. Totally. I mean, that's uh, which is where I live in Alaska, off the coast, <laughs> far away, where I cannot be found. That's just weird, man. People are weird. It's like, you know, you can you don't have to like my book. Everybody's not gonna like my book, but like, why are you evoking my kid? You know, we've got, yeah. got weird letters. Like, I I seriously got one of those letters, like it was one step removed from like a magazine cut out and pasted. It was like, weird thing sent, and so. Yeah, I mean, it's what we do. I mean, we we our life is. I love how you say we because I'm not I'm not getting any letters at the moment. What, so what a movie with Eric Stoltz. I mean, I, I know, but like, is it you know? After a while, it just kind of drizzles down. 
I was watching. I was just watching uh, the Flash, and they they made there's an Eric Stoltz joke in there, and I'm like, my buddy Tony has, like hung out with the guy, like that's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, I, oh, I, I, yeah, I heard about that. Uh, is is the Flash good? I actually liked it, but in my defense, I have not followed any of the story. I know the lead actor has some like he's a weird, creepy dude, and I know there's some bad stuff that he's done. I don't know anything about it. I've remained willfully ignorant to it, and maybe that would impact my. Uh, Who's my the lead family. actor? Ezra Miller, and I know. He's I, I don't even. Yeah, I don't even know. I know he's been caught up in stuff, but there's so much stuff going on, and, and honestly, after Louis C.K., um, who I just think is one of the funniest guys around, and after that scandal, I was like, man, and and I know it's part privilege, and I have the, you know, I, I get it, and, and I shouldn't be doing it, but like. When I really like something or I want to like something, I just don't, I don't want to hear. I don't want to know about an artist's private life because I, you know, I wanted to go see Michael Keaton as Batman again, you know? And, yeah. I, and I couldn't, I didn't want to go in there knowing Ezra Miller had done some creepy stuff because like. But I, what, see, what's the creepy? See, like Louis C.K., yeah, that was, that was creepy and that was screwed up. But do like, does he, does, do we kill his career? No. I don't think so because the guy's I think a genius. Louis C.K. is a very good line. I think he's the line where you. I mean, that's just my humble opinion. I think what he did is creepy, but it's not like he he asked. He asked permission. They said yes. I mean, it definitely was wrong. Uh, I'm not defending the guy. It's something you should not. One should not do what Louis C.K. did. However, right. you know, I, I I think there's people who have done far far worse things in. Like, I don't, I don't know who, you know, I, cancel culture doesn't exist, right? Like people being held accountable for the actions is a good thing. It's a, it's a place where we should be. And if you do something wrong, you should be called on it. 100%. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know who gets to decide what's, you know, too far and, you know, whose career should I mean, Obviously Harvey Weinstein's career should be over because Bill Cosby's career should be over because what they yeah. did is, so I don't know where the line is. I mean, and I guess it's, a, you know, it's, it's, we all, we all have that thing where we, where we make a, you know, we decide, uh, you know, as a ball player or baseball fan, like Ty Cobb apparently wasn't the nicest guy. Do we not like Ty Cobb? Like, I don't know. I, you know, art from the artist and and that's a hard thing to do. And some people will get really, really mad when you say you got to separate the art and then you can go get into, you know, Barth's and, and, uh, you know, uh, death of the artists and, and that kind of, so I I don't know, man. I'm I'm just a guy who writes mystery novels for a living and tries to play a little golf when he can. And I'm not here right. to solve the world's problem. If I if I can help, I I'd love to help. But it's a strange. Oh, so so how does the Eric Stoltz joke go down? Do they just do they just? I mean, I I I heard there was something mentioned about it. Well, it's because it's an alternate reality, and they're like, yeah, Eric. Right. Stoltz so it's he, so he so he stays so he stayed on as Back to the Future, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and the what's and is there a, um is there a consequence to the future oh, for that? No, oh, okay. Like, oh yeah, he was great, you know. And like, and then and then the joke. I'm not giving anything away. He's like, oh no, that was Michael J. Fox. Oh, you mean the guy from uh, Top Gun? Maverick, you know, like so. It's this idea of like all these actors were in different movies, and yeah, and, yeah. Oh, so, oh, so, oh I that's heard, funny. The first thing I thought about was like, I remember going to the Roxy Theater, and there's Tony, and there's Eric Stoltz. I'm like, wow, like there's a man. My friend is. Look at this. Is he still going to talk to me? I don't know. Like, is he going on? <laughs> yeah, a, right. It was such a cool night. Like Eric Stoltz. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's no, he's a great guy. Stabbing he's... the heart in Pulp Fiction, like he's. He's awesome. Yeah. yeah. He was, and he's, and really, he's a great dude too. It's just, it's, uh, really I, I lucked out beyond belief 
uh with that because he yeah, could have he could have not been a great dude he could have not been uh you know collaborative which would have been okay you know uh to a point i probably but it's just you know he's generous and it's just he seemed, it's like it. he seemed really he just he just sent me a note like about right 10 minutes right before we went on uh, uh this plato quote and i because i because he i sent him uh uh my last draft of the novel and so he he gave me notes on that and then that's when i was and so anyway we've been back and forth because i was stressing out and he was just like tony I'm like, all right all right <laughs> But yeah, gorgeous man. I'm um anyway, uh enough about my uh love affair with uh the beautiful Eric. Um yeah. so you got you don't even know how many books you have out. That's books. how many books you have out. I, I I have four books coming out. So we decided to do this new I'm doing this new artist collective over at Square Tire, uh, which is run by uh my friend Mike TV. Mike uh, had had a few songs on Grey's Anatomy a few years ago. And he got a uh, he got some play with this uh, novel. Uh, no, no, this his album, Ordinary World. And so he started this artist collective, Square Tire. And when I had um, when I was coming up with these books, um, I, I knew that he was putting out other artists through this label. And I was like, hey, you know, have you ever thought about doing a book division? Because I have some books that aren't quite slotting in with my agent can't slot in with the big houses and in the, the mid sized indies. I mean, honestly, I make more money kind of not going through them. So oh. uh, Mike was like, yeah, let's let's open a book, a book division. So David Corbett, mm. another author, friend of mine, he just had a book come out. Love him. Yeah. yeah. We're putting it out. We put it out through Square Tire. Mm. And uh, it's been great. I, 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 I've made more money in the last two weeks from, you know, through Square Tire and Say My Name. Then I have my last few books through indies. And this isn't to knock any of the indie presses because all the indie presses I've worked with, Polis, Ocean View, they've been wonderful. Yeah. Uh, absolutely one. I can't say enough about Jason at Polis. And I can't say enough about Pop, Bob and Pat over at Ocean View. This is not a knock on them. They've been tremendous advocate supporters. Uh, they've done everything they can within their power to get the word out. It's just the reality of the business. You know, they don't have the resources you know, a, a Minotaur or St. Martin's and even a Mar Minotaur or St. Martin's because I work in the crime genre, you know, they're not going to, they're going to pick one or two authors and they're going to promote them and the rest kind of get the scraps. It's right. Right. That I've, I've told, I've talked about that a lot with um, And, and it's just like, how do you like, how do you get your, here's, here's the question I have for you because, because this is what I'm planning as I, move this book that is coming to its almost end who hopefully my agent will go this is the greatest thing ever let's go or she'll go tony it's been nice working with you i can't wrap this <laughs> and and that'll be fine too it's just like it's fear, you know it's like it? what do you do what do you do it's it, it's, I, it's, it's always a fear though that you're i have this huge i have this weird fear that my agent's gonna dump me and like she's been nothing but supportive and jill marcel she's been awesome but i'm always like god you know what is she what, what, what today's day she decides, you know, like just like a girlfriend, like, you know, Joe, it's just not working out. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> that kind of right, thing. right, right, right. But at the same time, I'm I'm planning on being like I'm I'm planning on being in New York a little more. I'm planning on kind of being around 
just just around i love well the other thing is i just love new york anyway i want to be there for in general but i'm like why don't i just make sure i'm at the brooklyn book festival and make sure that if she's submitting an inactive submission then i'm just kind of there you know and um so then people not not you know it to it is to kind of get a little a bit ahead so the people at the publishers go oh wait we have a face to the name oh and tony's kind of a nice fella and then it might be that little edge where they go, you know what? Let's put Tony on that promotion that quarter. I always, you or know, am I out of my mind? Am I, no, am I, no. am I, I in advice, a dream world? <laughs> when I give advice to writers, well, I mean, the first advice I always, they always like, I want to be a writer. My first advice is always don't stop, <laughs> stop. stop. Yeah. Else. Stop immediately. But, Trader however, Joe's has great health benefits. Turn around, run. <laughs> however, if you still want to, uh, you know, pursue this, that's the advice I give them. It's put a name with the face. It's yeah. much harder. They can still say no, but it's much harder to say no when you have a face that goes with the name. Because I tell you, the quickest way to get uh, a uh, – I don't know, my voice just cracked there. I sound like I was in puberty. But um, the, the, the quickest well, way yeah, – Your no, beard just grew too. <laughs> the quickest way to get a no is to send a blind submission off to some agent. Dear agent, my name is John whatever. Because right. they have to say no to your book. To get on to the next book to say no to they i mean man agents have such I mean, forget the editors just agents are just inundated with just just reams and reams of books they yeah. have to keep through i mean what an average agent has to read over the course of a weekend and it's like you know here we go again here's another st- oh my god here's another private investigator with some demons he's battling like i can only imagine how jaded you get in the profession i always think of tobias wolf's bullet in the brain right where he goes in the bank and everything is so meta because he's just become such a the critic has become so you know it's his whole life he can't look at any situation without analyzing it and sort of that through that lens so yeah you you just want to you want to give yourself every leg up you can so when you meet somebody in person or you go to these conferences or you're on a panel or you give an interview and they you know they can equate a name and a face and 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 you know, next time they see it and like, oh, wait a second. You know what? I'll take a look at this. They might still say no, but you know, right. you're at least getting a, a, a better shot and a more, they're going to at least give you a chance. Right. Um, yeah. And still, I mean, no matter how long you do this, you know, rejection is just part of the game. That's what we signed up for. That's, you know, like, like every gangster movie, right. This is the life we chose. Um, it's just part of it. And, and, and for, you know, if you have a success rate of one out of 10, that's great. Yeah. Um, oh, that's huge. It's huge. Yeah. So no, the, I think um, it's a great idea. I think it's a good. I think that's what you do. I think you, I think you go there. I think you, I think you glad hand. You, you you know you you show your natural. Sorry, that's the our Pomeranian barking in the background. She doesn't ever shut up. Um, but yeah, I think you I think you give him a uh, you know give him a personality to go along with with the work. Not only that, it's just like uh, you know what what do I crave? I crave reading. What do I crave? I crave being around writers. I'm a fan. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going as a fan too. It's just, and yeah. it's so lovely. It's so, um, and I think that's how we all start as fans. We don't get into this without being a fan of the novel. No. And that's what, which, that's what's crazy, right? As you start fans and then next thing you know, you're like, you have, you know, somebody's number who like, I read your book 20 years ago. And like, now we text. It's just, it's such a weird. Isn't such a, it crazy? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing that. Well, I, I'm doing an event with Jerry Stahl and, uh, here's a real quick story. Just a real. So Jerry Stahl, 
Make well, it slow. Make it slow. I'll make it slow. All right. Jerry Stoll wrote Panic, <laughs> which is one of the yeah. greatest books ever written. It is the recovery Bible. Every junkie, ex-junkie knows it. So here's how the story goes. So Jerry Stahl, I'm reading. This was in 2015, I think. And I'm doing a reading down at the last bookstore where I'll be reading with Jerry again in, in the end of August, just before Boucher Khan. And Jerry and I are reading on stage together. Wait, hold on. What's the date in August for the last bookstore? Our last bookstore will be, we are doing uh, whatever that Wednesday is. So it will be. Okay. So, but it's in, 20, it's in August. They can go to the yeah, website. August 29th. Yeah. Okay. Jerry and I are going to be uh, on the stage together talking about his latest book, 999, uh, which is fantastic. Oh, I know. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, it's just how you can, how you can make a book about the Holocaust, like, like so entertaining and Jerry somehow finds that line of, of yeah. like dark humor and pathos and and, and humanity and empathy and he, he's like, nobody else could do it like he's no. it's just an amazing an amazing book like you can't you know you're you're reading it and you're laughing and then you're crying and you're like he, he's just an incredible writer and, and then a really incredible guy and he's one of the nicest guys um yeah just like you feel about Eric that's that's my you know feelings on Jerry Stahl anyway back to 2015 so I'm reading I'm reading uh you know, with Jerry and in the crowd is, is my old drummer from a band I had back in the, in the, in the nineties when I was a, you know, strung out mess. And, uh, and she lives in Virginia is the weird thing. So she'd flown cross country, 3000 miles, right. To come to this little reading. I mean, I mean, it was a big reading. I mean, a lot of people were there, you know, 70 people it was Jerry Stahl. It was the 20th anniversary of, of permanent midnight. But in the crowd is, is Gina, my old drummer. And it was just kind of blew my mind. I'm like, you know, so afterwards I go up and I, I go up to her and I'm like, why? I mean, thanks for coming, right? Like, right. Yeah. But you, you get the rec, you know, you get the points for the uh, greatest, uh, you know, commutes. Uh, but this is a reading at a bookstore. Like, why would you fly out for this? She goes, you probably won't remember this, but I never forgot. She said, I remember seeing you, Joe, and you were at your absolute worst. When I thought I saw you, you were weighing 150 pounds, skinny scabs all over your face. You walked, and I saw. I met you on the street just by chance, and you had copy of permanent midnight clutched to your chest wow and she said this is true she said i said to her i don't recall any of this because i don't recall i don't remember any much of the 90s but she said and you said to me someday i'm going to read on stage with this man this is how i get out of here and she said i wouldn't miss this for the world um so yeah i mean even saying that now it just gives me chills yeah what uh, a and, story oh my god yeah and so that, that yeah and there, there was i got to read one and, uh, and i get to read one again and we sent text you know i text message and he's just a funny guy and uh it's just absolutely trippy it's it's you know this 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 world's a strange strange wonderful wacky yeah <laughs> at times cripplingly painful but um and, yeah. when, and when you were at your strung out worst uh you you somewhere in somewhere in the deep recesses of your mind you were just like you were still hungry like as a writer you you when had I, the yeah, when i when i found permanent midnight and, and tom pitts my my fellow uh ex junkie writer buddy says you know when you're when you're a hobo the the gutter is your library literally you read what you find i read men are from mars women are from venus not because it was my book i want to read is i found it in the streets like i found the autobiography of thomas mann I, you know that's what i was reading so one day oh. i found permanent midnight but not, I, but not all junkies are reading. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like. No, actually, yeah. junkies are. 
you know, for the, for the, 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 the you know, I'm typecasting here. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Well, I'm just saying, just saying for the, the rep junkies get, which is deservedly fair. Uh, they do intent. Do they, they do tend to be incredibly well read because you're not doing uh -huh. anything besides doing two things. You're, you're scoring drugs, shooting junk, and then you have a lot of free time. Uh, yeah. You're not watching a lot of TV because your TV's in the pawn shop. You just hocked it. You know, yeah. like you know, jungle fever, mama, don't, don't shut up the TV. The TV's gone. The TV's in yeah. my arm. But books, they're harder to sell. You know, so, so yeah, whatever you find, you read, you got to pass the time. Huh. And uh, junkies tend to, tend to be pretty well read. But yeah, I read that book and I remember reading Permanent Midnight and thinking, this is my way out. If I can somehow just get over this, what we'll just call it obstacle for lack of a better word. right right this crippling yeah. heroin addiction that had me on the street uh you know selling blood like whatever like if i can just get past this this little hiccup uh, this, little, this, little, this little conflict i have in them. this right. little There's, yeah this little obstacle let's see how right. i get over it right right pass that thing um i can i i remember just saying like i can do this i can do this i can't maybe do it as well as jerry because i can't write i can't write permanent midnight which is just a masterpiece but and you can't get writing, hired on alf I'm not going to hire that now, <laughs> but you know, I ended up writing junkie love and it, you know, and it did get named again. Once again, sounds like a humble brag. It's not even a humble brag. It's just a brag. It got named as one of the four best recovery memoirs of all time. Junkie love along with permanent midnight, Alan Kaufman's drunken angel and uh, Colin Broderick's orangutan by fix magazine is the four best recovery uh, memoirs of all time, which is a trip. You know, it's like, That's so uh, great. How do you not so feel, great. you know, some pride at that? Like, yeah. And, and then to see Gina, it, you know, in the crowd be, telling me this story, I'm like, wow, you know, like, even, yeah, even then there was a hunger. I don't want to say, you know, it, I mean, art has always been, uh, you know, central to my character, but there was a hunger to be more, to be better. I knew I had more in me than what I was doing. Like, I, I was better than not that, you know, I see people now and and it's not, uh, you know, where you're saying you're better than they are. You're, you're, people who are, who are still hurting and still addicted and still struggling, my heart goes out to them. I just knew I had something to offer the world still. And I, this was, I didn't want this to be the end of my story. I didn't want my story to end up with being some guy they find in an alley and they don't have any identification and they have to wait four days to identify him. My mom has to find out like, hey, sorry, we got some bad news for you. Uh, I didn't want that to be my story. I, I just didn't. And, 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 and nobody else out there wants that to be their story either. And I was extremely fortunate. I had uh, the, the help of, of social services in San Francisco in the Bay Area. And this is another one I struggle with all the time because people are always like, you know, yeah, the liberal policies. And like, But those liberal policies kept me alive. And so the question is like, is, is, that, is it worth it? Is my life worth it? Is my life worth the tax dollars? I don't know. I can't answer that. My kids would say yes. My kids seem right. But like without the help of San Francisco, without the benefit of social services, without the kindness and generosity of counselors. I mean, I went to 18, re 18 trips to rehab. I mean, I was, uh, I was, you know, revolving door in, in the kindness that was shown to me by the recovery community at large, um, you know, in hospitals, you know, I'm not a big fan of AA. <laughs> I'm not going to sign there, but I'm not a, not a big AA guy. Right. I, I had issues with them, but, but the actual professional, the professionals who would treat me like a human and with the kindness and, and just decency. I remember there's a place in San Francisco that was called the UFO study. You would go in there, they draw your blood to test to make my sure friend, my friend worked there for many years. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, and they set you up with an email account so that you're that's why I still have a hotmail account 
so that your family and loved ones could get a hold of you. And they would give you a sandwich. And they were so kind and nice. And you go around feeling like just such a piece of garbage. And to go somewhere and have somebody talk to you like you're worth something like that. Like those people that people that made the biggest impact in my life, they don't even know it. They don't know it. They're they're strangers. They're 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 out there. Maybe they'll stumble upon my book, but probably not. Most of the people who changed my life don't know the good they did, and I can't I can't help them. I'm working on a right now. I'm working on a harm reduction uh, book with with a former professor of mine, Dee Dee Stout, and we're we're doing a, working on a, a second edition of of her book, Kicking and Screaming, um, because harm reduction is is you know I'm pretty passionate about. Uh, and I, and I think it's it's really the key to to helping people is is let's minimize the damage however you do that. So yeah, you talk about safe injection sites or needle exchanges, and you'll get a lot of people who have never you know had a firsthand experience. And on paper, you kind of go, all right, yeah, you know why am I paying tax dollars? So some junkie can get a get food like stop doing the drugs. And I understand that I get it. You know I'm I'm a homeowner. I uh, you know I pay my taxes. I you know I have a nice house. Now I get it. I understand. But that kindness and that generosity by strangers and even these taxpayers who maybe, you know, weren't so thrilled with supporting a, a low life junkie like me, they changed my life and they kept right. me alive until, you know, I do from my fault, you know, the, the problems I have with AA, I do love their slogans. And one of them is, you know, you know, wait for the miracle to happen. <clears throat> Arm reduction keeps keeps you around. And for the miracle to happen. So is, is one life worth 99? Is it worth, I, I don't know. That's, I can't answer that question. I can just say that, that I was extremely, extremely blessed and fortunate um, from strangers, the kindness of strangers. What's that? What the movie is that? I've, I've always benefited from the kindness of strangers. It's a, what movie is that? Is that Streetcar Named Desire? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Uh, the, it's, it's, um, what was I going to ask you? Because it's so, uh, you know, well, first off, I mean, your, your memoir is so good. I mean, I, I remember specific scenes just because, you know, talking about Boston and the freezing cold barefoot, you know, it's just, yeah. you, you, it's, you went there and, and I think you came, I think you came on drinks with Tony when I was in studio in San Francisco, probably 12 years yeah. ago or something. We were sitting we were in that studio, but that was for junkie love. Right. Wasn't yeah. that was around that time. Yeah. And um, what was I going to say? Oh, what was it? What was it about the 18th rehab where it, it took? Well, yeah, you know, a, a lot of things were happening. Uh, the, the, the nice story, the one that makes me sound like a better person is my mom was dying. And I did not want her to go out knowing that her oldest son was a, a junkie. I mean, that was a huge However, for being honest, and you know, part of part of recovery is being honest. There was a large component. I also had a legal issue hanging over my head, and if I didn't get straightened out, I was going to San Quentin. And I, I mean, I, this wasn't going to be county. This was going to be, you know, San Quentin. And I, I'm not, you know, I'm, these days I'm a stout two ten. You know, I can bench press. You know, good two seven. You know, like I'm a big guy now. But back then, I, I mean, I, if I was in prison, you would be a guy I'd want to have sex with. If I was in prison now. If I was a guy, right, right, I'd be sold for a deck of playing cards by by Chow. Like, like I'm not, I'm not lasting. I mean, I, I wasn't, you know, I was a skinny little scrawny runt. They would have, yeah, yeah. wait. I, I mean, I could survive prison now. I'm not, I just don't have that mentality. Like, I, you know, be somebody right. come up and be like, hey, it looks like you need a friend, and I'd be like, oh yeah, I, I could use a friend. How, how are you doing? Man? Yeah, 
It's like Patrick O'Neill's experience. How he, cause I mean, he went in really scrawny. That's but, a great recovery memoir. Yeah. Yeah. But he, but, uh, but he just had such a way of just like, I'm not, I do not do drugs when you're in prison and say to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. And he, yeah. And, and, and I, I wouldn't have been that strong. Um, and yeah. gun, gun needle spoon, his, his, his book is, uh, is, is so just epically funny and hilarious. Um, yeah. I, I would have had the strength. I would have done drugs. And we'd be like, Hey, it looks like you could use something. I'd be like, okay, oh good. Next yeah. It's like, I, you know, I'm, oh, well now, now you belong to Ted. I'm like, oh, great. not only, not only that, the, the, um, the violence you would probably have to inflict in order to keep it going. And then you'd get more time and more time. You know how they like kind of keep you in that system. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I, there was another book I read that I found in the street and it was called, you are going to prison. It was like, it was, it was a book. Uh, an ex-con wrote like, Hey, this is where you're headed. Let me tell you what's going. And I had this book around and I remember going around and see my buddy, Dan. And I was like, this is where I'm headed. If I don't straighten up, he's like, dude, you sound like an after school special. <laughs> hey, there ain't nothing wrong with after school. So I love them. Book, like, uh, and it was horrible. Like, and, and it's just all this, the stats on like, the stats on, on rape and you know the, you know the, the percentages and this and that and it was it was a terrifying book i mean it, it was yeah. it was it was yeah it was so yeah i was looking at some serious time i, I was running this check scam and i'd gotten caught i actually my my girlfriend got caught i went in the bank to find out what was happening they were like he was in here last week next thing i know she's out of jail that night having sex with ricky two flats he was called ricky two flats because when he worked for tom pitts he uh used to call him sick and he'd say i got a flat tire he was a bicycle messenger ricky two flats he'd say i got a flat tire and tom would be like all right well i'll see you in a few minutes and then ricky would call back a few minutes later and say yeah, i got another flat tire so his name was ricky two flats which i think is just <laughs> great anyway my girlfriend's having sex with ricky two flats i'm in county for seven days uh in seven days in county when you're when you're a junkie uh it's it's dog years i mean it felt like a lifetime i mean you're yeah. sick uh you know the food and you're just you're it's just horrible it, it I would not recommend the prison experience to anybody. Uh, county was bad enough. I spent two, I think I spent two days in prison. Um, and, and safe to say, I don't want to go back. It was, yeah. uh, it was enough to go like, uh, it just not for me, not, um, you know, and Joe Loya, another, another friend of ours, right. Another great memoir, uh, memoirs, uh, in his, uh, confessions of, uh, I can't, I'm not getting title right. Of a bank robber. Uh, yeah. But what's the, um, I know I always get, man, confess- man who out his prison cell. Um, the man who outgrew his prison cell, right? Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, uh, I mean, the stories he tells, like Joe, if you meet Joe, you're like, eh, I can see how you survived because he's a tough, he's yeah, a, yeah, he's a tough guy. You could see, like, he's not the kind of guy you, you'd mess with. Me, I think I, I'm the kind of guy you'd mess with. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but the first phone call I ever got from him, uh, was he was like, homeboy, call me right now. We got to talk. And I was just like, oh my God, Joe Loya wants to kill me. <laughs> I was just, he, I, first time I me and I was so scared to like answer and then but he wanted to give me some advice but he's like dude you're doing this wrong you got to do this right and it was so kind of him but it's he's just scared me to death. he is so ridiculously generous with his time the first time I talked to Joe Loya was the same thing and my son was being born and I was very nervous about being a father and and, all, and like he I'd met him maybe once he was like give me a call he must have talked to me for like an hour outside while my wife is in the you know going through her 20 four hours of labor yeah <laughs> whatever you know that, that thing they do and they kind of not you know just all the, the people with wombs yeah 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 the, the womb people and so uh <laughs> so i'm talking to joe Lloyd, and i'm like and really just like 
shining some light on the experience and, and what's going to happen to me. And it was one of the best conversations I ever had. And he totally assuaged my fears. I can't say he helped my wife very much because she was in the hospital, of course, going through that pain with the spinal epidural. But like, you know, we, we all have our own struggles and, uh, you know, yeah. she, she had, you know, to go with what she went through, but Joe really helped me. He was, um, he was very kind and generous and, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's another another guy. I, I'm I feel lucky to call a friend. I you know, and he's another guy that I was a huge fan of, and because uh, I had read his book when it first came out, and then I was doing a reading, I think like seven years later, and he was at the reading, and he, he came up to me and introduced himself, and I'm just like, oh, and then I was just like, oh my god, wait, you wrote, th- oh my god, I was like flipping out because I was a he's huge one of fan. The smartest of his. guys you'll meet too. Like he is, he is. It's he's one of those. Uh, yeah, he's 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 an anomaly because you hear about his story, and and then I mean, dude, the dude was on. <laughs> we were watching TV, and I'm like, I was sitting there with with my boys, and I'm like, and, and it comes on like uh, I almost got away with it. One of those like Discovery Channel, and it was like Joe Lawyer bankrupt. I'm like, hey, this is my friend. My kids thought it was so cool. I'm like, it's not cool to rob banks. It's cool. He's who he is. Don't right. rob banks. Don't do drugs. Stay in school. Don't join right. a gang. However, yes, and, and you know they have this guy playing him in like FBI agent. I'm like, ah, that guy never. I'm like, I met the guy. He's a teddy bear. Yes. At the same time, I have no doubt that if he if he had to stab somebody in prison, he could. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's uh it's and it's just so beautiful. And that's the thing. It's just like we get to, we get to hang out with these people, who I mean, you know, and that's and that's what I love about you and the and reading the memoirs of people who had to get out of such high intense situations and now have successful writing careers. How sexy is that? It's, it, it's a little sexy. I mean, it, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. I mean, cause it's not the money. We don't do it for the money. Right. <laughs> but, but no, that part of it is, is endlessly cool. And, and, and you get to meet your heroes and, you know, I still play rock and roll. Uh, I have a record coming out, uh, my band, the Wandering Jews. Uh, there's my plug, uh, which I've, I've been. I've asked every Jewish person I know, Jerry Stahl, Alan Kaufman. I'm like, is it okay that I use names? I'm not. I'm, I'm only part Jewish. I'm like, is it okay if I use the name? Like, and they're like, why couldn't you use the name? I'm like, because all my wife, all my wife's liberal friends keep telling me that I can't call my band the Wandering Jews. And I now that there's this. I just found this out too because I was reading a book and it and, and I saw the definition of what Wandering Jews is. There's a specific thing. Right. What is it? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a story of the man who, who who denied seeing Christ and he was cursed to wander the earth forever and outcast, which I just love right. that story. But yeah, and that's that, when I went, Oh, that's oh, that's why Joe named his band that. Yeah. I never I never got the connection yeah. before until like no, two months ago. My, my wife's white liberal friends are like, You can't I'm like I don't I don't think choose a bad word, you know? And like oh. I, like Jerry's like why could you use that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to offend anybody. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm I live in Berkeley. Like everything's offensive. I don't, and I don't want to be a bad guy, but anyway, oh, you live in Berkeley. You can't even walk down the street with I the know, way you I look. <laughs> anyway, I got, to meet, I got to meet Franz Nicolay, who's the keyboardist to the hold steady. And uh, I got to interview him and they say, never interview your, your heroes. And I got to interview him. And then I got him to play keyboards on the new record. And it's just like the coolest thing ever. Like, here's a guy I listened to in grad school. Yeah. I remember listening to Boys and Girls in America. And now all of a sudden, that same dude is playing keyboards on my record. Like, yeah. like it's just nuts. Michael Urbano, who played, like, my kids are always going around going, like, you know, sing that Smash Mouth. Hey, now you're an all-star. I'm like, you know the guy who played drums on that? Plays drums on my record. They couldn't care less. They couldn't right. care less. 
Yeah. Dad, <laughs> come on. Just, we just want so, our sodas yeah, at the uh, yeah. yeah. You know, Tom, you know, they're I was making they're making some oh, I can't even say his name. One of the kids said today said, uh, don't let me down. And of course, whenever I hear don't let me down, what's the next thing you think say? Gruz, you know, you know, from yellow, and they're like, dude, you're so old. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. That's just what you say. You don't let me down. Gruz. <laughs> but apparently, Gruz is the German word, and that's what Jeff Lynn got it from. So, um, oh, interesting. Sorry. He said, don't, no, they said, don't bring me down. And I was like, when you hear don't bring me down, you got to yeah. say that. You yeah. Know, this is what comes next. But so I get my Jerry Stahl story was I, I went and um, I met, uh, I met Lydia lunch one year when I first came to LA and then me and her, um, Oh, we chatted at a dinner. There was like a, there was a dinner with a bunch of people. And then, uh, and then the next night it was her birthday. So I went to the, her birthday party and Jerry Stahl was there and I was like, Oh my God, you know? And, and, uh, and I, it's, I'm always just happy to see him. And I always assume he forgets who I am. And he's all, Oh, Hey, he's like, uh, he's like, Lydia, come here. Do you know Tony? And she goes, yeah. And he's, she go, he goes, you got to read his book, Confessions of a Teenage Jesus Jerk. It is really good. And I was sitting there like this. I'm going, I was like, what? I didn't know he knew I wrote a book and I didn't know he actually read it. And then he's here he is recommending it to Lydia Lunch. And I'm just like, that's it. Here we go. That's the best Fun, thing that ever happened. That's the best thing that would ever happen. Josh, Josh Moore, who another fabulous uh, writer we know, uh, calls Jerry. Oh, you mean Uncle Jerry? He's like, just like, he's just so, just like, oh, Uncle Jerry. And he's just Uncle Jerry Uncle is Jerry. such a great, that is great. It's true. Like, Uncle yeah. Jerry, he's such a cool, nice guy. Um, yeah. yeah, no, uh, Gar, uh, anyway, we can talk about Jerry. I, I tons of stories that people tell you me. You talk about Gar. I still got to get Gar on the show. No, Gar, just tell me these great stories. Like, I, I go outside, and he's like, I go outside, and I see this guy, just like this cool cat, just like he's dressed head to toe, just like, and like, it turns out it's Jerry Stahl. And it, yeah. it, he tells it much better, and it, much much funnier, uh, of course. Uh, but yeah, I'm in, I'm in that anthology with Gar that we have that, uh, uh, he's in the uh, culprits. Yeah. I mean, I should say I'm in the anthology with him. We have that, that TV show coming out uh, sometime this year. You have a TV uh, show coming out? Well, I think I, I wrote a story in this anthology called culprits which was headed by gary phillips and richard brewer and gar contributed a story and zoe sharp has a story in there david corbett has a story in there brett battles and um and uh yeah they got picked up by um uh, the same people that did killing eve so they're uh-huh. turning it into a show for disney plus i guess it's coming out on hulu uh oh so- cool so it's already produced oh. Well, yeah, so, yeah, no, it's in production. Yeah, so got no, okay. it's in production. It's coming out this year. Um, and if you've gone, I am, you know, you know, show created by Jay Blakeson. <laughs> but anyway, but the funny part is they're always like, well, you, you think they're gonna, you know, change your story? I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I wrote the story about a my character was named Il Estevez. He was a Mexican American grappling with his, you know, being, uh, you know, multi, you know, biracial, and you know, his allegiance to Mexico and. And 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 the United States and it's in Texas and it was very much about the wall and it was a commentary you know because it was during the Trump administration so he had it was a commentary on the wall and all stuff like that and like and now the story takes place in England so 
I guess I don't know if they're gonna keep Elin there. My guess is they probably changed his name and uh, probably got rid of everything. But they sent me a check and uh, the check cleared. So wait, when they send you when they send you a big check, they can do whatever they want to the story. You can, you can change it, make this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Six guns yeah. and a cat. I don't care. Just send me the money. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just like if you get get if you want the big check, you let them do whatever they want. If you want control, you're not gonna get any money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, money. You can do what you want. I mean, plus Jay Blason, he's the guy's a genius. I mean, he did. If you do, you see, I care a lot with Rosamond Pike. Mm-mm. Oh, he's. I mean, he's. he's I mean, the Killing Eve. I mean, it's. it's there's Sheer again. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, this is. I mean, these are these are you know character seven, and this is a great you know great. It's great, dude. That's so, great. Yeah. What, and, now, and, what's your what's your philosophy? Let's go back to um, like AA and sobriety and the harm reduction. What is your philosophy for getting off of uh, substances? I, you know, you know what I really liked a lot. It's I, I still drink, but I, I'm like, I'm this huge like moderation. Like I try to do like maybe twice a month guy. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm like, oh crap, that was once a week. I don't like that. But um, but I used to be. I mean, I, you remember me in San yeah. Francisco where it was just yeah. like, oh hi Tony Jameson Duchesne. <laughs> <laughs> but but but, i did did for a long time and then i I cut it out entirely a couple years ago uh uh you know you know some some incidents uh not not like the old days but there was an incident where where we were in my house and we were watching tyson fury uh wilder fight and uh nobody can remember the exact story but we were definitely drinking mezcal and one of us said hey who wants to box and and maybe it was me who said it all i know is somebody gets the eardrum ruptured wasn't me and uh you know it, it was pretty bad I, I gave somebody a concussion and that makes me sound way tougher than i am it was just a stupid it's a, thing but it's in a, that's it's like people don't realize was, how embarrassing that is like i got right. i got sucker punched at the uh Annenberg castle at the top of the stairs and got and fell down the stairs and that was one of my wake-up calls of I mean, it wasn't like I was, I was like blackout. I was just making really stupid decisions. Yeah, that's what it was. And, 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 they, and the bouncers were like, they didn't know who that, who got hit. And I, I used to DJ there, you know, I'd say they, the bouncers knew me. And the next night they were like, we didn't know that was you. We would have beat the crap out of that guy in the bathroom if we knew that was you. And I'm like, I'm so glad you didn't because that was my fault because I was the idiot because I escalated it. And let's just say, I'm got to take complete responsibility for that. So I'm glad right, you yeah. did it. it just, and I, I just found that, that, that for me personally, I, I, I do better. I, I enjoy life more without, and I, I was the same with you. I, I mean, I didn't drink, you know, a lot. I just, you know, it was just, that was a night and somebody had mezcal and it was like a fight was on. It's like, eh, I don't need this anymore. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of past that stage, but that, you know, that was a couple of years ago. And so, Anyway, um, my, my philosophy goes, I don't know if you know uh, the singer-songwriter Paul Kelly. He's out of Australia. Uh, mm-hmm. Willie Vol- Vlotman, uh, who has the band Richmond Fontaine, is a big fan. Uh, another fantastic writer who I've never met, um, but uh, love his work. But he's a big fan of Paul Kelly. But Paul Kelly has a song, and the line is, if drinking is the problem, drink a little less. <laughs> that's my philosophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what harm reduction is all about. And, you know, if, if any step you make, you know, away from from a bad place is, is a step, you know, is the positive direction is a good thing. So, you know, if you're if you're going from 
you know, drinking five days a week, you drink one day a week, or maybe you're drinking once a month, or maybe you're not. It, anything, you know, it's, it's it's finding a way to make decisions to improve your life. And and for so long, AA has just had a stranglehold on recovery, and it's because nobody understands how it works. So somebody gets a, a DUI, the judge goes, go to AA, because AA has the best PR. Like, they're right. just, they're the, like, if you got a drinking problem or you got a drug problem, you got to AA and like, and nothing wrong. Like and if it works for you, it works for you. It's yeah. great. They, you know, I've studied, you know, when I was going to school for this stuff, um, you know, their success rate is the same as anybody else. It's about 5%. Yeah. Most people stop because they just grow out of it. You get, you get to the point where you're just like, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. And so, you know, when I stopped doing drugs, it was because like, yeah, you know, this, this was kind of, you know, when I, when I woke up at naked in the Massachusetts jail alone, mind you, uh, you know, I was 30 years old and I'm like, I remember thinking like, you know, this was, this might've been a cool story to tell when I was 23. Like, right. Not, yeah. It's not, so, it's not so cool at 30, you know, like, like, why am I not wearing any clothes? Why am I in this, this jail cell? Like, that's not like, that's not a, it's, it's I don't want this, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's the same, you know, harm reduction really <laughs> to go the segue, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you know, you maybe wake up in the jail cell with clothes on the next time. And then maybe next time you don't wake up in the jail cell, you know, <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. It's, it's the incremental and that makes so much sense. Cause like, and what I've learned too is really, I really have been like, you know, I go down the YouTube rabbit hole on uh, researching what alcohol does to your body, what it does to your brain. And then, so when you sit there and it's, and it's just like, um, you you start to take that all in and then you go, Oh, wow. That's, it just makes sense. And then you start watching like advertisements and all the advertisements are what they're girls in bikinis, they're guys with six pack abs and they're all doing yeah. shots. No, and it's just like, that ain't what it's like. like those guys aren't drinking there, you know? No. Yeah, no. And so um, I've just got to, I, this is, this is going to sound, this is probably the worst, the worst thing. Uh, I'm gonna. It's gonna make me sound terrible. But I, I've sent us text because I'm supposed to be doing a TV interview, and I got to tell them that I'm running a couple minutes late because I'm doing another interview. And there's no way to say that without. That sound. is hilarious. You're doing a TV interview, and you're telling them, "Look, I'm on drinks with Tony. I don't oh, know I'm if you know it. who he is. <laughs> it, it, is that for local up in the Bay? No, this I'm gonna be when I go back east to uh, Connecticut. Uh, so Are you, you're going playing. there or is it going to be on uh Zoom? It's going to be on TV TV station back east. Oh cool. So so that's so that's Joe Clifford with his uh texting right now, texting his his next interview that uh he's uh, television in uh Connecticut. Do you know what channel in Connecticut for those listening? WTNH uh Channel 8. Channel 8. Um, so Channel 8 in Connecticut. But yeah, there's no way to say that without sounding just completely like such a pretentious. No, it's uh, it is awesome, dude. It's so <laughs> awesome. It just because look, I I just look at you and it makes me it like it fills me with joy that that's like the, it's just awesome. It makes it, it. You have no idea how much joy I have just um, you know, yeah, around this whole thing. It's great. I mean, you know, you know, it's like I I read I used to the uh, readings you put on in San Francisco. I got to do some storytelling when you were doing your band. You had the bands and the storytelling in between. Yeah, yeah. yeah that might have been when I first met you too. It was in the Tenderloin, I think, on Mason Street. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did, yeah, we did that over there, at uh, Ivy's place. We did that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so much. Uh, yeah. 
been doing this yeah. for a while. Tony. It's yeah, no, it's, it's just fun. Cause we've all kind of been around it. We've all been super, you know, I, I don't even, I don't even, I don't know if I had Jesus jerk out yet or not. Uh, but it was just, um, it's just, it's so funny that we all kind of like we're, we were all that little crew in San Francisco. Yeah, and no. And what, didn't we, you have your parents? Weren't they in the, were, you were reading this really great thing, but your parents, I think, were in the crowd, if I remember right. Was that the one where I was describing how I was conceived very yeah. vividly? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That used to go down well. And then, and then a friend of mine was like, dude, you got, they're there. You got to bring them on the stage when yeah. you do that. When you do that. Yeah. I don't know if I brought them on the stage. I on think that you one. did bring them on stage and it was yeah. really, really sweet. Uh, it's it, not only sweet. It's just like we've heard so much, like every intimate, thing about having sex <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then halfway through the story that you realize oh wait that's tony's parents and then at the end of the story it's like oh yeah and here are my parents it was like <laughs> that killed so much it really, um, it really, I, that yeah. was the part, it really did kill and, and the thing is, is what we do is it's so much of it is, is show business but like you know it's just material and like yeah it did it's slate it's slate I, I haven't done, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I probably, the last time I probably did that was like 2016, but, uh, but it is, yeah, I, I, I feel a little more mature now, you know, <laughs> I got other sex stories that where, where I'm also, where, where I'm also the buffoon. <laughs> no, they were great. Good sports about it. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, have a fantastic interview on the television. Well, we're setting up the interview for television. I'm going back east uh, in the middle of July to uh, oh. read my hometown library just to wrap this all up. I The book Say My Name is – is uh, so if anybody who's read the Jay Porter stuff uh, knows it's about the handyman. And anyways, I use all the locations from this town, Berlin, where I grew up, like the one in Germany, but pronounced Berlin because we don't want to be associated with something bad. Um, and, uh, and so I take all of – that stuff and now i bring it back to the place where all these uh, you know the olympic diner i bring it to the olympia diner and all the characters that are jay porter i based in the jay porter series i use real names it's a true crime novel in the sense that all the people are real all the locations are real uh however the crime may or may not be real and that's sort of the hook and so yeah i'm going back to connecticut to read in my my hometown library which which will be by far and away uh, the biggest attended event, uh, you know, of any book tour. Um, the whole class of 98, uh, class of 88, I wish it was 98, class of 88 will come out to uh, show their support. And, and and they're all in there. All these people, And they were kind enough to let me use their names for some pretty, you know, it's, it's a crime novel. So I make up some pretty, you know, outlandish, heinous things. And people were cool enough to be like, yeah, go ahead. They're probably name. excited to have their name in. in you Most know, of them were. I'm not sure. Yeah. There were a couple people like that. I mean, you know, it's based on, on these two twins. Uh, well, two twins, obviously two twins. Uh, based on one of the twins was like, yeah, you can use my name. The other one was like, no, you can't use my name. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's creepy. No, change it. I still, you know, it's like, well, you're the only twins in town. Like, they're going to know. Right, right. <laughs> but no, I didn't use their name. Oh man, that's yeah. uh, that's so cool. That's uh, yeah, um, and and I hope that that I hope that's uh, your wife's there and is taking tons of photos. <laughs> I don't believe she's coming back. Uh, she will be. Uh, she will be. Uh, she's currently in the Dominican. She's got back from the Costa Rica with uh, with the little one visiting monkeys and sloths. So this is my my big trip. I get four days back on a book tour. Oh, cool! Very cool. Yeah. So. Thank you so much for coming. Thank on you time. so much, Tony. Uh, we'll, we'll get together soon. I hope.
FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. When I walked out of work and I was tired as hell, another day come and gone, oh well, somewhere there's a drink with my name on it. I ordered a scotch as I bust through them doors Spilled half on my jeans, the other half on the floor When I saw you standing by that video game Well, I ain't very good, but I get practiced by myself Forgot my one line, so I just said what I felt If only 
Another day is here 